This is the podcast of the German Historical Institute London, a research centre dedicated to supporting and connecting students and scholars from Britain and Germany. The podcast series presents current research in British, German and European history, as well as colonial and global history. For more information on the German Historical Institute London, future events, the GHIL Library, studentships and more podcast episodes, please visit our website at ghil.ac.uk. In today's podcast episode, GHIL Research Fellow for Modern History, Ole Münch, and PR and Events Officer Kim König speak to the photographer Maria Cardamone. Maria has curated an exhibition which is currently on display at the GHIL and which is organized in cooperation with the Prize Papers Project. The project is part of the Academy of Sciences and Humanities in Göttingen. It's based at the University of Oldenburg in Germany and the British National Archives in London. The funding is provided by the Academy's program of the Union of German Academies of Sciences and Humanities. Before we dive into the interview, Ole will give us a bit of background information. As its name suggests, the Price Papers project is about documents produced by the early modern naval practice of price-taking. In the 17th and 18th centuries, it was common practice in naval warfare to capture ships belonging to hostile powers. This price-taking was not a lawless act of piracy. Instead, the captors were legally entitled to capture foreign ships, but only if it could be proven that the ship belonged to an enemy party. Any documents proving that the ship belonged to the enemy found on board were kept as evidence, and the final ruling on the legality of the capture had to be made in the High Court of Admiralty. Today, these sources, among them many personal letters, are held by the British National Archives, often in the form of dusty bundles of documents. Thanks to the Price Papers project, conservators are now cleaning and preparing them for digitization, while archivists sort and catalog the material and historians collect metadata on the documents. All digital images are offered open access on the Price Papers portal. To their surprise, while going through the papers, the experts came across various other types of artifacts that you might not expect to find in a collection of legal records. These included coffee beans, golden rings and colorful beads, which were used as currency, relics of the Atlantic slave trade. The exhibition shows images of these papers, objects and documents, bundles, which originate from Europe, the Caribbean and East Asia, demonstrating how deeply connected these parts of the world already were at this time. The prize papers cover a period when European colonialism expanded and finally provoked resistance. They offer a unique insight into the daily lives of people living through those times, among them enslaved people who have left material traces strewn across the collection. Hi, Maria. <laughs> Hello. Thank, thank you for taking the time to talk to us about your work. Thank you for inviting me. Do we just want to jump right in? Um, maybe you can tell us a bit about yourself, how you started working on the project, what led you to the project and yeah, how your work is right now. Sure. Yeah, I've been working as a professional photographer for over 12 years. And um, in the last four years, I've been working with Oldenburg University as the senior photographer of the digitization project of the prize papers. And basically my work is taking photographs of documents and the artifacts of the prize papers collection, which is held at the National Archives UK in London. Uh, our main goal is to make them accessible and readable online 
uh, knowing that these documents uh, have been seen for centuries and now they, they get the occasion to be studied by readers all around the world in open access. So potentially those documents will lead to many new historical discoveries and insights. We have started capturing the Price Papers collection in 2018 and uh, it's estimated to deliver 3.5 million digital copies in 2037. That's a lot of documents and those documents are all at the National Archives at the moment. Yes. And you're slowly starting to unearth them and you are taking the pictures of them. So what kind of documents do you have there? Yes, I think that um, many of those documents are still, uh, um, say they didn't go through conservation work yet. So most of the time we, we see the bundles as they were left, basically. And the collection is huge. It contains documents from more than 35,000 captured ships. And so far, we have identified over 83 different document types. Um, they draw from ships, passport to logbooks, uh, bits of lading, drawings. And of course, there are also objects included sometimes. Also, it's attracting lots of interest. The fact that we have uh, 160,000 undelivered letters that they were intercepted on their way across the seas for this reason they weren't delivered and they remain unopened to this day which is quite special there are letters by men women even children so it's very interesting to have an insight on the you know the life <laughs> basically the human connections of that time in terms of types of documents we have the court papers which are the documents created by the court to discuss if the capture was um, fair, and the sheet papers. Um, among those, um, we have books, papers on uh, all sorts of papers. It can be commercial, maritime, colonial, administrative matters, and so on. And as I said, also letters, of course. And uh, I think it's very interesting also to mention that uh, there are many languages in the Price Papers collection. It's a wide range from French, Dutch, Spanish. Uh, I've been working recently on uh, Armenian material, which is quite difficult <laughs> to image uh, because, of course, it's um, also handwriting, difficult to, to understand the, uh, the right text orientation, let's say. Alongside this written material, there are many types of miscellaneous artifacts, including uh, jewelry, textiles, um, playing cards, keys. That's really interesting. You mentioned some of the materials haven't even been processed by the conservation department. So how do you approach the works? You receive the documents, they are already open or the objects and they have been kind of processed and then you get to work. If you could take us to, to work virtually, so to speak, what kind of processes do you and steps do you go through? Yeah, that's a very good question. The workflow implies that um, as photographers, we receive the documents already treated by the conservators. But sometimes uh, because we work close to each other, we have a look at the documents before they can they go through collection care. And uh, we also establish a procedure in which I take some materiality shots uh, uh, that we call before treatment materiality shots, in which uh, I record basically the status of the document before it's treated. And this way we have the before and after treatment image of it. And that's quite interesting because in a way is documenting the history of the documents itself. And uh, for the regular shooting, it's different. We, we capture already flattened and cleaned documents, untied, 
And of course, they've been also sorted and catalogued by the archivists before they reach our stage. That's really interesting. So you mentioned those treatment shots, but you also have a very special way of taking the photographs and the, you don't only want to show the content of the photographs, right? Yeah, that's right. In uh, the last few years, also with the great help of Lucas Hassis, which is part of our Oldenburg team, we have developed the materiality approach, which basically means to record on camera all the features that are peculiar of an object and they can be missed in the regular shooting because the regular shooting is a 2D shot. So it presents a flattened surface, uh, which is perfect for readable text. But of course, it doesn't work very well whenever we have a 3D object with different, let's say, pockets, if it's uh, a bag and the hidden feature inside. We want to see also, you know, use a macro lens, for example, to see more the textile. We, we want really to give an experience of the object itself. So this is part of the exhibition, of course, the main focus that we are presenting in the exhibition at GHAL. Yes, so the exhibition, the past four years, you've taken these amazing pictures of the documents and objects. Can you tell us a bit more about how you started curating and selecting the pictures for the exhibition? Yeah, this selection was a bit challenging, I must say, because it was also one of the most interesting parts, because all of a sudden I had to resume the last four years of work in a selection of about 20 images only, which of course put me in the, in the situation of selecting very carefully uh, what was included and what was left behind. The main focus was on objects as the exhibition was happening at the same time of the conference Things on the Move, which was happening at GHIL, about the materiality of objects in uh, global and imperial trajectories. And of course, the main focus was specifically on the materiality features of the prize papers. For curating the exhibition, I kept in my mind a few things. The first thing is to get rid of the content-based approach. I didn't want to offer something too scientific, in a sense, as in digitization, we already deliver all-in-focus shots in a way that the readers can access the text. In an art exhibition, this is often counterproductive. In order to leave some mystery into the images and uh, to suggest that their physicality, I needed to leave some space for imagination. For this reason, some of the objects have some blurry parts, suggesting, for example, the movement of the object in the space. There is a ship captain's quid pens that have some softness and in the image, the feathers are some parts blurry, uh, which is in contrast with the sharpness of the pen's tips. So it's more emotional approach, I would say. And often there is a black dramatic background. So the objects seem almost floating in the space. And I also wanted to include the most of the aspects of our photography uh, materiality approach which means including shots that could represent the strategies that we have created specifically for this collection. For example, we have a panorama shot taken with a wide angle uh, for showing the intricate post-stage practice of letters, which at that time often they were enclosing other letters in a sort of family tree. So the first letter maybe was enclosing three letters and uh, the third letters was enclosing other two letters and so on. The, easiest way to represent this uh, for the reader to really have an understanding, an overview of this, is organizing a family tree. 
And in the selection of uh, the photographs for the exhibition, I also consider the objects in context, so showing the objects beside the context they belong to. For example, there is a packet of coffee beans close to the journal where it was enclosed. Uh, and there are also coffee beans, one coffee bean leaving a mark in the page where it was stored for centuries. There is a picture of gold rings beside the letter they were shipped in and so on. This, of course, is a very different way of displaying the documents in itself. Um, we mentioned already the conservation work of which I've dedicated a space, uh, especially in the second room of uh, GHIL, dedicated on the practice of um, the before and after treatment shots so that we can document the alteration of documents before digitization. But also the conservation work at TNA, especially with the conservation work of TNA project, conservator Camilla Camudugan, is represented in the videos that have been uh, shooting and they are in display in the hallway at GHIL. There we can see, for example, brilliant work in uh, unsealing, applying different methods to unseal the sealed letters. So there are things that can be shown and really they get understandable for people if they can look at them at emotion, basically, not static. Maria, you said you get to read the text actually yourself. I mean, do you have enough time to actually look at them apart from taking photographs? And then I was wondering if you ever stumbled across a particular document which surprised you or which really captivated your attention. So, of course, yes, sometimes my eyes go on the text, but this is not my job, so I cannot spend much time, unfortunately. And most of these documents can be in many different languages, so I'm not able to read all of them, luckily, because otherwise I would be very distracted. <laughs> mm -hmm. But, of course, there are sometimes, especially dealing with archivists and researchers, in which we share our discoveries. It might be that I notice something unusual, or they do. And, of course, there is always some kind of sharing about what's the background of the document and what's the story behind. And sometimes to notice stories help also our work like to do better as photographers because now we can understand better how to capture a document like for instance there are documents that they start like you would read from left to right in the european way a journal but then it was used both sides one side was used from the spanish court and the other side was used by the english speaker and so you you need to rotate the document you need to have an understanding of what you're capturing you need to flip the documents you need to find the strategies um, in terms of objects that, are, that have been like for me, the quid pens, uh, to see something that was used by a ship captain was very fascinating to, to have in my hands. And uh, recently there, there has been a letter was sent from a woman to another woman we think is a mother to daughter. And this was containing a pattern of crochet. So it was a pattern that never reached the destination. And uh, I had the occasion to speak to my mom, show the picture. She lives in Sicily, Italy, and she made it. So this was very fascinating for me because now I have this pattern realized and uh, it's with us in London and probably we go to Germany later on. In terms of objects, there have been a few challenging pieces in the collection to capture. Uh, for example, we have glass beads uh, that they are linked to the slave trade. And to capture those, uh, they are very tiny objects and to capture those, it was challenging because 
I used a macro lens and very narrow depth of focus and focusing millimeter after millimeter and then merging all these pictures together in Photoshop in order to have all in focus image to really get on the details of the also artisan, let's say, aspect to really appreciate the materiality features of these objects. You went into many details, which is fascinating, of course, for me as a historian. However, I was wondering if you imagine I was someone who has never heard of the Price Papers project before, mm. what would you tell me? Why should I go and see the exhibition? <laughs> well, you get to really an idea. It's uh, diving into special features and the variety of the collection. I guess it's a bit different to see the documents on a portal online and page after page and mm. to have a deep experience in presence in a physical space and looking around and see all these different colors and shapes and, and the historical context because Lucas Hassis has done a great job in giving us all the details, a commentary about the exhibition. So he has curated the texts. So by reading all those, even if they are just 20 images, you can get really interested into the collection. I can only emphasize what you just said because I'm one of the few lucky ones who really get to see your exhibition every day, really, because I have to go to the entrance hall, of course, to the Institute. I really appreciate your work. I was wondering, I really was interested in how you actually learned your craft. I mean, how does one become a photographer of historical sources? Is it, I don't <laughs> think that there's sort of an apprenticeship for, for this kind of work, or is there? <laughs> you mean a spiritual kind of... Uh, yeah, maybe spiritual. <laughs> I think there is a, a bit of it. I give you my really personal answer to this. For me, it was really important to use my photography for something I really value. Mm -hmm. And um, I've been doing different types of photography, uh, reportage and, uh, you know, more artistic and so on. And once arrived in London, I searched for something practical that was also related to something would make more wonderful the life in the future for many readers, historians, researchers, uh, lead to discoveries. So I get into this and I see also from my past, because I have a humanities background, I studied uh, ancient literature. It's also a way of recombining my studies, let's say. Uh, I can read Latin. <laughs> Sometimes I, I find documents in Latin and um, find it very fascinating. And especially, I should say, with the price papers, I worked in other collection before, very different material. But this project has something special. It's really fascinating. I would like also to say that what I've done, what you see in the exhibition is, yes, part of my uh, craft uh, uh, creativity, but uh, really could not be possible without the sharing of knowledge uh, with all the departments, uh, the National Archives and the team in Oldenburg. And uh, there is also in, uh, in the exhibition a uh, banner with the photographs realized by my colleague uh, Mustafa Uselam. And he has taken portraits of all the people working, not all the people, some of the people working in the project. So every department in a document uh, delivery service, archivist and um, collection care, they are represented in that banner. Of course, uh, the aim of the photography exhibition like that is to increase the interest of people in the collection and hopefully to encourage to use the portal, the price papers portal. And uh, we have also a display of the materiality features in the materiality portal, which is materiality.pricepapers.de.
at the moment only for a brief period of time. There is also the possibility of working through a preview of the exhibition. It's not fully there because, of course, we want people to go to London. But it's also, let's say, an opportunity for whoever can make it to London and uh, want to see from abroad. Great. Thank you so much, Maria. I thought that was really fascinating and it was really nice to speak to you. So we hope everyone is really intrigued by Maria's amazing photography and the story behind the documents. And we hope you can make it to London. And otherwise, uh, do check out the portal, the website of the Price Papers Project, and of course, our various social media accounts, where we also have some more information about the stories behind some of the documents and the accompanying pictures. Thank you, Kim. Thank you, Ali. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the German Historical Institute London podcast. Follow us on social media and check our website to keep up to date with new episodes.